right. Hey, everyone, grab your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Luke. The book of Luke, we're going to chapter 20, and the title of my message today is, uh, Is There a Resurrection of the Dead? If you haven't yet, I was just looking at the numbers, uh, we're about 40-some on, uh, on Facebook and about 50-some on YouTube. Man, we'd love to know you're, you're with us. If you have the ability, just check in there, say, hey, we're here, whatever. Just love to know who's watching, where you're watching from, if it's from out of, the, out of town, but we're so glad you're watching. I could, I could have added several different titles to this message. Is there a resurrection of the dead? Um, is there life after death? <laughs> could be another one. How about this one? What happens when I die? That might be a little something. Do I just become worm food and and ant food and insect food when I die? Is there anything, when, when they put my body in the ground, is there anything after that? You know, in, in, uh, in way in the Old Testament, there's a book uh, called Ecclesiastes, and it was written by this dude named Solomon, and, uh, and he, was, he was lamenting a bit. You read all through, throughout the book of Ecclesiastes, and, and he's lamenting, life is meaningless, woe is me. I mean, just kind of going blah, 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 just kind of, um, uh, kind of frustrated with life. And then, of course, he wrote the theme, uh, the great song, To Everything Turn, 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 There's a Season, Turn, uh, Time to Be Born. Well, maybe, well, he, di- he did originally write those words, but he didn't write the song. But, um, but I... I, I I think it's interesting at the very end of Ecclesiastes, though, he comes back around. He's saying, life is meaningless, poor, blah, blah. but then at the very end, he comes back. Look, look on your screen. See what it says? Ecclesiastes 12, 13. Now all has been heard. Here's the conclusion of the matter. Fear God. Keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every dead, excuse me, every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it is good or evil. So there is a judgment. There is a life after death. Life is not meaningless because after you go in the grave, all the way back 900 some years before Jesus was ever even born, Solomon was writing these words because he knew when you go into the ground, there's something more. It's not the end of your life once you go into the ground. There is a resurrection. And, and in, in our community, I think there may very well be a, a high value of this. I mean, there may be a lot of people in our community that might think, that might, is there life after death? Is there something? Well, yeah, I kind of think there is. In some areas of our nation, though, uh, I don't know if you've ever run into someone who's like, man, I just, I don't believe. I think we just, we just live our life like we do now. And then I don't know if there's an afterlife. Just go in the ground and this is me. And that's about all the further they think we go as we just go in the ground and it's done. And our text today points to the, to the absolute opposite of that. And Jesus, in this interaction with the Sadducees, brings it all out. So let's look at it. Look at verse 27. Are you there yet? Luke chapter 20, verse 27. Here it says, Some of the Sadducees who say there's no resurrection came to Jesus with a question. Okay, first we got to declare this. Who are the Sadducees? One, one way of, of thinking about it, they, they're, they're a religious group of people, but um, they were people that were sad, you see, because they didn't believe in the resurrection. The, the Sadducees were a group of conservative Jewish religious leaders who honored only the Pentateuch. This is Genesis, the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, the first five books as Scripture. And if it wasn't in those five books, if they, if they didn't talk about it in those five books, they're like, eh, not so sure we believe in it. They wouldn't believe in it. And so therefore, the Sadducees didn't believe in an afterlife. They thought you went to the ground and it was over. They didn't believe because they didn't see it in the Pentateuch. 
They didn't believe in it after. They didn't believe in angels and demons. They didn't believe in that. Uh, they didn't believe in, in the resurrection for sure. And that's where they're trying to rib Jesus here. Uh, they're trying to kind of snub you and just kind of join him and say, listen, I think we know better than you. There is, uh, who say there is no resurrection. They came to Jesus and they set him up with, with this idea because um, they want to try to prove this ridiculous idea of resurrection. Look at verse 28. Teacher, they said, Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother dies and leaves a wife but no children, the man must marry the widow and have children for his brother. Now there were seven brothers. The first one married a woman and died childless. The second and then the third married her. And in the same way, the seven died, leaving no children. Finally, the woman died too. Now then, at the resurrection, whose wife will she be since the seven were married to her? Let me just tell you just real quick. You can read more about what Moses had to say if you go back to Deuteronomy chapter 25. I'm not going to take time to hit that. But remember, the Sadducees here in our text, what were they trying to do? They're trying to prove to Jesus there is no resurrection. And so they come up with this story uh, um, uh, about this, this, this lady whose husband's kept dying. <laughs> and, and the Sadducees uh, were trying to prove their point that there is no such thing as a resurrection. There is no afterlife. There's nothing once you get into the ground. And so they, they brought this story. The Sadducees were, were unable to think that there was a, a God, a creator, a sustainer of life, who was not only able to bring someone back to life or rise someone from the grave, but also someone who could create a new heaven and a new earth for all believers to eat, spend eternity in. They had no concept, no ability to believe that. And I, I think uh, their focus was more on the here and now. And so if you don't believe in a resurrection that our bodies are going to rise again, which I'll get to that, I'll explain that. But if, 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 if a person doesn't believe that, then all we got is right here and now. And we have to, we have to be challenged by this. It's because in a sense, yes, Christianity is about the here and now, but it's, it's so much about the, what's yet to come, how we're going to spend eternity. And here and now, we serve Jesus, we serve the Lord, because we know when we get to heaven, we're going to serve him the rest of our lives with one another in the new heavens and the new earth. Not so much for the Sadducees. They didn't believe that, they didn't understand that, they didn't comprehend that. So they're trying to rib Jesus about the resurrection. How does Jesus respond? What is his response? Look at verse 34. Uh, um, he says this. Jesus replied, The people of this age marry and are given in marriage, but those who are considered worthy of taking part in that age, that age and in the resurrection from the dead will neither marry nor be given marriage, and they can no longer die, for they're like the angels. They are God's children, since they are children of the resurrection. Let's stop for just a second. Let me, let me break that down, okay? First off, if I was Jesus and I uh, would have been responding, I, I would have suggested um, to all these fellas um, before they got married to Lizzie Borden, <laughs> uh, uh, you might think about marrying someone else. But beyond that, I, I think Jesus, notice how he responded to them. The people of this age, first off, they marry and are given in marriage. So the people of this age, where we're at right now, right? Where we're at right now, people are marrying, okay? Verse 20, uh, 35, but those who are considered worthy of taking part in that age, 
How are you made worthy to go to that age, to go, like when you die, to go on to eternity with the Lord and with Jesus? How are you made worthy? Only through Jesus Christ, right? And so for those who are saved, those who are born again, those who have put their faith in Christ, very good. That next stage, they can go, okay. And in the resurrection from the dead, boom. Here Jesus said, there is a resurrection of the dead. Here it is. There is a, I remember when I was, a, I was a kid, we used to sing this old song. Let me just read the second verse to you, if you would allow me here. Uh, when he comes in the clouds descending, and they who loved him here, from the grave shall awake and praise him with joy and not with fear. When the body and the soul are united and clothed no more to die, what a shouting there will be when each other's face we see will be changed in a twinkling of an eye. When the body and the soul are united, I don't have time to really dive too deep into this, but I just want you to know there is a resurrection of all of us. We talk about resurrection a lot around Easter time, right? Because we're celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But I want you to know something. Every person is going to be resurrected. In fact, this song, and I'll read the passage of Scripture at the very end of our message today, where it talks about when Jesus comes, all the believers who are in the grave, who have already died, are going to rise, and their bodies, are, their soul, uh, the spirit, has gone on to live with Jesus in, in paradise and heaven, and their body are going to once again be united, and they will now have their new bodies, their uh, new bodies that are incorruptible, um, that will last forever. So, um, long story short, Jesus is saying there is a resurrection for those who are saved, um, uh, those who, uh, and then. It, but those who are considered worthy of taking part in that age, meaning they're saved in the resurrection from the dead. And then he goes on to talk about marrying. Just before I do that, let me just toss this out. The book of Revelation talks about those that are unbelieving, the unbelieving dead, also being resurrected. I've taught about it before. Um, I'll try to find the, the message where I did and maybe throw that out there if you'd like to know more about that. But it's, it's in the book of Revelation. But, but let's continue on here. So the third thing is he starts talking about marriage. They were in, and in the resurrection of the dead will neither marry nor be given in marriage. So what's that mean? Bottom line is, we don't need to spend a lot of time on this, but when you get to heaven, um, what Jesus is saying, there's not gonna be marriage. Uh, why is that, Scott? Because I really love my wife. I really love my husband. I can't imagine spending eternity without him or her. Well, here's, here's, here's the deal. Um, you know, here on earth, uh, the Bible says that it's not good for man to be alone, right? So God created Eve to be with man. And, and so we, we understand that that concept is it's still alive today. It's, uh, when we come together, there's something. It's not that um, uh, someone who's single is ungodly or unspiritual, but we know that the, the, pattern, the, the pattern we see in Scripture is that God created the woman uh, and the man and, and created us to, to be together because we, uh, we, we sharpen one another. We, we work together. It's, it's a good thing. It's a blessed thing. When you get to heaven, relationships will take a whole nother meaning. I mean, relationships will be perfect. I mean, remember the last time you fought with your spouse? Maybe just this morning? <laughs> Maybe five minutes ago? Whatever it is, but remember that. No more fighting, no more quarreling. Remember the last time you tried to get on your kids because they were just, and you're, and you're like, oh, I, I, and you're just, you're frustrated with your children. Perfect relationships in heaven. We don't, we don't, it's not that, uh, I, I think we'll still know one another, but we'll definitely won't need marriage, and that's what Jesus is pointing out here. Okay, so marriage, and they can no longer, for they are like angels. 
They're God's children since they're children of the resurrection. Let me just hit one more thing, then we'll move on. Angels. I just want to toss this out there. He said they're like angels in that what? Um, they, they, uh, angels are created beings. So uh, what I want you to get is this. When we die and go to be with the Lord, we don't turn into angels. But in the way that we, we don't get married, it's like angels. That's, that's what Jesus is saying. And they can no longer die, for they are like angels. We, once once we're, we're, we are resurrected and we're in heaven, we'll never die again. And in that way, we're like angels. So I just think it's important that when grandma dies, when grandpa dies, when great uncle George dies, or whoever it is, we don't say, well, heaven got another angel. I understand when we're grieving, it makes us feel good. But the truth of the matter is, when we die, we don't become angels. We, we, our spirit goes on to live with the Lord, and, and until uh, the rapture of the church, that's the way it is. So, uh, but I, I, angels are a completely different created being. So let's keep moving on. Um, one, one more thing I'll say is this. I, I think it's interesting um, in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, of course, a lot of the, uh, the pieces of history are recorded in, in several of, of the Gospels. This passage is actually shared in the Gospels in Matthew chapter 22, verse 29. Look at it. Um, this, this part was left out in the Luke account, but we know it happened. Matthew recorded it. Jesus replied, you are in error because you do not know the scriptures or the power of God. So Matthew records that before we ever get to verse 34, where it says, Jesus replied, Jesus first said this, is what Matthew said, you are in error. He's telling the Sadducees, the people who probably had all five books of the, uh, the Pentateuch memorized, he's saying, you're in error because you don't know the scriptures or the power of God. Now that'd be kind of like telling the Pope he's not Catholic. I mean, these Sadducees were, I'm sure, taken aback. They couldn't believe Jesus would actually say this. And so I'm sure that put them on the defensive. But Jesus starts explaining it. So he answers the question, and then look at verse 37 and see where he goes here. Verse 37. But in the account of the bush, you remember Moses, Moses in the burning bush? Even Moses showed that the dead arise, for he calls the Lord the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but of the living, for to him all are alive. Notice what Jesus did here. Because I think there's a pattern here um, that even somewhat what I talked about last week, but there's a pattern here even as we have people ask us questions. They ask us questions about our faith. Maybe they, they don't know all that the Bible says, or maybe they're just searching their faith, and, and they ask a question. Notice how Jesus answered the question, but he knew really, down deep inside, discernment told him there was a greater question going on here. There was a bigger question. So he talked about the whole marriage thing. He talked about the whole resurrection thing, dealt with that, but then he, he, he knew, he discerned, really, it's, it's, not, it's less about the marriage issue. It's, about who's, uh, it's less about whose wife this, this gal's going to be. It's more about the resurrection issue. So he came back and hit that again and clarified. And he clarified it from what? One of the five books of the Old Testament. The ones that they held to. When, when he said, he said, Moses showed the dead. When he said, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Just think about that. He doesn't say, I was their God. I was the God of Abraham. I was the, no, I am. He is the great I am. I am still their God. Why? Because these are people that have lived on into eternity. 
Now, I, so Jesus just drives it home that in his opening remarks, yes, there's a resurrection. And then uh, in the latter parts of his remarks, that this is how you can know, even if you just believe in the five, first five books of, the, uh, of, the, of the, the Old Testament, if that's all you believe in, it is there. And then verse 39 says, some of the teachers of the law responded, well said, teacher. And no one dared to ask him any more questions. So the Sadducees were like turning to one another and say, fellas, zip the lip, throw away the key. No more questions for Jesus. This guy's too smart for us. He's outwitted us. Now, as you read the rest of the chapter, uh, we're not gonna necessarily gonna take time right now to do that. But just note, this, there's a central issue of what are you gonna believe about Jesus? You have to deal with that. I have to deal with that in this last section. And then there's also verse uh, 46. Beware of the teachers of the law. They like to walk around in flowing robes and love to greet one another and blah, blah. Beware of religious elite. Beware of people who, who come across as very religious and very put together, but their lives don't line up with who they say they are. Beware of those people. Don't let those people pull you down into their religious bondage. Be free in Christ. Walk in the freedom and the forgiveness you have in Christ. Don't, you don't need to walk in that religious bondage. So that finishes off chapter 20, but I want to finish this message by going back to that idea of resurrection. Do you understand how important this is? Do you understand how important the resurrection, not just Christ's resurrection, but the fact that you and I will be resurrected? Because if there is no resurrection of the dead, if there is no afterlife, if there's none, and all we have is to live right here, then we've got some real issues with Scripture. In fact, I want you to turn with me. Turn with me one more place in your Bibles, will you? Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. The Apostle Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is writing this letter to the church of Corinth. And he had some real specific things to say about resurrection. Scott, is it really that big of a deal? I mean, can't we just all just love Jesus and God? Is doctrine really important? Is a, is a doctrine on resurrection really that important? I'd like to propose to you that it is so important that if you don't get it right, it could mean heaven or hell for you. Let me talk about it. Why is a resurrection, why was it so important that Jesus confronted the Sadducees on this and that we confront our own thoughts on this? Well, the first thought is this. Let me go there in my notes. If there's no resurrection, fill this in in your notes if you're, if you're writing it down. Um, the first one is this. Number one, Christ is dead. Uh, that's the obvious. If there's no resurrection, if, if God in his power is not able to resurrect people, then Christ could not have been resurrected. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 12. But if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? If there's no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. How many would agree with me that there's real issues with the Christian faith if Jesus Christ was not resurrected? I think we all would agree with that. If the bodily resurrection for you and I and Jesus, if, he, if Jesus didn't rise again, then all of Christianity is just a great myth that somebody thought up. Number two, if, if, if there is no resurrection, then preaching is useless. Fill that in. Preaching like I'm doing right here, right now, is absolutely useless. Look at verse 14 in chapter 15. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless. All preaching ought to be based at its core about, uh, ought to be 
full of understanding that Jesus is alive and that Jesus is resurrected, that he's born, uh, come alive again. Verse 14, preaching without the, the, the thought of Christ being raised is powerless. And that's why when you go to the book of Acts and you begin to read through the messages that they preached in the book of Acts, Say Acts chapter 2, verse 24. Take a look at this on your screen. Acts 2, 24. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. Peter, on the day of Pentecost, preaching the truth of the resurrection. You see it in Acts chapter 3. You see it in Acts chapter 4. In Acts chapter 10. In Acts chapter 13, 17, twice. And chapter 26. All throughout Scripture. Over and over and over and over. And let me just tell you something. If you're ever part of a church or you find yourself in a church where they don't preach and teach Jesus Christ lived, died, and rose again, then leave that place because it's not a church. That's where the power is, the resurrection power. Jesus is alive. And so uh, our preaching is useless if we're not preaching from the standpoint of Jesus Christ is alive third thing I tell you is this. Your faith is useless. In fact, the Bible says that. Write that down, will you? Your faith is useless. Verse 14, and if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. Verse 17 says it this way, and if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. 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 It's void. It's a big fat zero. (laughs) It has no effect, no purpose, and, and that, that not only is preaching a waste of time, but you're responding to the preaching, waste of time. This whole thing is a big ripoff, and the joke is on you. You should have just slept in this morning and kept scrolling along on Facebook or watched the 50 top plays of football 1982 on YouTube. Whatever it is you watch, you should have done all that stuff instead of tuning in today because your faith is useless if, in fact... There is no resurrection. If the Sadducees were right and Jesus was wrong, then we've got issues. Fourth thing, here it is. If there is no resurrection, the apostles and the disciples and all those who are, are liars. They're liars. Write that down. If, if there is no resurrection, Peter, he's a liar. John, a liar. Apostle Paul, a liar. Thomas, a liar. Matthew, Mark, liars. We've been studying the book of Luke for two or three years now. Luke, complete liar. If there is no resurrection, you say, where do you go? Well, if there's no resurrection, all of these people believed in the resurrection and preached and taught the resurrection. And so if you're, if, if you're going to disagree, and if, 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 if there was no resurrection and they say there is and they're lying, why would you believe anything they say if something as important as resurrection is not true. So we've got some issues there. The apostles are liars if there was no resurrection. Number five, if there's no resurrection, sin's power has not been broken. Look at verse 16. In fact, I forgot to read verse 15, but let's go to 16 anyhow. For, for if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Scott, come on. It's January. Is this the best thing you could be preaching on today? Of all the things you could preach on today, why are you talking about resurrection? This is how important the resurrection is. Not just the resurrection, but resurrection as a thing. 
that you and I, our doctrine, our belief system believes that there is life after death, that there is a resurrection and we will go to be with the Lord. We will spend eternity with Jesus if we put our faith in him here on this earth because sin's power cannot be broken if there is no resurrection. Romans chapter eight, verse 11. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. Romans 10, nine, that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. Time out. You get that? The last part says you will be saved, but what do you gotta do? You gotta believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. Wow. Is this really that important that we believe in resurrection, life after death, that Jesus is alive, that he was resurrected? Absolutely. Because I cannot have salvation, forgiveness of my sins, unless I believe in this. Which leads to number six. Write it down. We are lost. If, If there's no resurrection... We're absolutely lost. Look at verse 18. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. He didn't mince words there. They're just lost. They're just lost to eternity. They, they, um, uh, they're devastated eternally. And do you understand the catastrophic consequences of the lack of belief in the resurrection and the afterlife? Let's go to the seventh and final thing. If there's no resurrections, we as Christians are to be pitied. Look at verse 19. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are to be pitied more than all men. You know, primarily Christianity is a delayed reward system. It's true that God blesses us here on earth. He speaks to us. He uses, But most of the rewards and the greatest rewards that we'll ever receive will not be on this side of heaven. It will be in heaven. And in a sense, as Christians, we've got to pay now and receive later. And I know for some of us that, that goes against because we want it now. But let me hear me on this. If the best part of your whole life in the scheme of eternity is right here, right now, then boy, we're missing it. I mean, if, if we think, um, how pitiful to think that the best, the only reason we were created is for right here, right now. And so that the older we get, the harder time we're going to have to keep our weight down and to stay healthy. And these bodies are going to keep breaking down to the point where, I don't know, we die. Is that really all there is? Listen, the Bible is very clear. That isn't all there is. We don't just live for here and today. We don't just live for a bigger house, more cars, nicer cars, um, my, uh, uh, my, a greater job, a greater career. We don't live for all that stuff just for the here and now. We live for eternity because there is an eternity. And we are not lost because Jesus Christ came, he lived, he died, and he rose again. Everything we have, everything we have, is based on the fact, as a believer, as Christianity, is based on the fact of the resurrection. That, yes, we will be resurrected. And yes, Jesus was resurrected. The Sadducees were wrong. And I understand why they were sad, you see. Because they didn't believe in the resurrection. They had no hope beyond the grave. 
Everything we have is based on the fact, in Christianity, it's based on the fact that when this body is going in the ground, my life is not over. Just think about the one resurrection that made all of this possible, though. And that's the resurrection of Jesus Christ. How awesome is that? We celebrate it every week. You know, Sunday morning, it's not by chance that we have services on Sunday morning. Scott, are you saying that it's wrong to have a service on Thursday night or Wednesday night or Saturday morning or Saturday night? Ah, I'm, I'm not going to say there, but what we see is the pattern in the New Testament is that they gathered on Sunday morning. And you know what they did? Um, that, that was because Jesus rose again on Sunday morning. In the early church, when they came together, I mean, can you just imagine what it was like a few weeks and months after Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection? And they started gathering on Sunday mornings because I don't ever want to forget the greatest resurrection of our, of our life. The greatest resurrection that would ever happen. And that's the resurrection of Jesus. So what would they do? Let's get together on Sunday morning. And every time we come together on Sunday morning, let's celebrate every Sunday morning the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because there is a resurrection. That's how important. The, the thought and the, the teaching of resurrection is to the New Testament and to us. And even as we think about Christ's resurrection, because Christ rose again, preaching now brings people to Christ. Because of Christ's resurrection and he rose again, faith is powerful and it can transform you and it can transform me. Because Christ rose again, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive everyone. Because Christ rose again, we are not citizens of this world, but we're citizens of eternity in heaven as believers in Jesus Christ. Because Christ rose again, we know 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16 says this, For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, and with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God. Get ready, resurrection is coming up. Here it is. Here's where resurrection is. And with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ. Jesus is coming back. And he may come back today, he may come back in a year, he may come back tomorrow, but we know he's coming back. And if us, we that are alive, we're going to rise to meet him in the air. But even before that happens, the Bible says those believers that are dead, they're not going to stay in the ground. Because their bodies, dead in Christ, they're going to rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever in, in glory, in heaven. And he's creating the new heavens and the new earth eventually. And that's where we're going. And he says, don't freak one another out with these words, but encourage one another with these words. Because Jesus rose again. You and I can know for sure, if we put our faith in Christ, that the grave is not the end. But we live beyond that. So I plead with you today, wherever you're at, whoever you are that are watching, there are believers right now in this room with me praying for your soul. I've been praying for you this week. I've been praying for you this morning. Would you give your life to Christ? Because there is an eternity. And it's either heaven or hell. And the resurrection is real. And you will live beyond the grave. 
And the only way to get to heaven is through Jesus Christ. He's real, friend. Listen to me. He's real. In fact, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, a little earlier, it declares this, 1 Corinthians 15, 6. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. So uh, uh, the Apostle Paul is saying right now, he's explaining, everyone listen, Jesus rose again. He was resurrected. And there were 500 plus people that saw him alive. This, they, they weren't lunatics. They weren't crazy people. These were regular people that saw Jesus. He's alive and he's real. And just as sure as Jesus rose again, let me tell you, you will as well. And I call on you today, put your faith in Christ. Stop messing around. Some of you are like, well, I can't quite get this whole idea of a guy walking on water, uh, turning uh, uh, some bread and some fish into feeding five thousand. Some of these miracles, I don't know. Let me tell you, you got to put your faith in Christ and trust him. And if there's no faith in the resurrection, then there's no salvation. That's how important this is. So I plead with you today as we pray, I want you to put your faith in Christ and rest in him today.